Anybody in here um, at least begin your life without a television in the house? Anybody? Okay. All right. We got a few. All right. Anybody remember not having a computer at school? Okay. A few more. All right. Anybody, um, anybody not have, who, who didn't have an iPad in your house? All right. How many of you, now I'm talking to some of the, some younger ones, how many of you have always had an iPad or some sort of small screen in your house? You can't remember not being without one. Okay, we got here, here, yeah, see that, right, right? Here's another question. Is your water bill and your electric bill the same as it was when you first started paying it? No. Okay, so I'm just trying to say things change, and things now are, are change very, very quickly, and I know I'm not, I'm, I'll speak for myself, you know, I'm not a digital native, and things are changing so fast that there are times when I just, I'm just like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to do that. I don't even know how that works. I don't even understand that, and I'm probably not going to engage it because of that. And so it's interesting how the things changing more rapidly almost can make us more resistant to change, which is, which is kind of fascinating. And along with that, that is part of the reason why churches, why congregations are doing things differently, because the culture has changed. Our world has changed. The message has not changed but the way that we are called to deliver it has to change in order to touch people's lives where they are today. You're sitting in a place that, did, of course, did not look like this even two years ago, right? It was very traditional, very, very straight up, very, very Protestant, very Presbyterian in its own way. And, and we've, we made changes beginning 15 years ago or so to our worship because we believe that that would help engage people in a different way in worship. We have a website and we're working on making that better because that's how you tell the story in a digital age. If you, if you meet somebody or you've got a friend and you say, hey, come to my church, what's the first thing they do? They go to the website every time. And so the website has to tell your story or else they'll go, well, that doesn't really look like a place I want to be because the people don't look friendly or it looks old or it looks run down or it just, it looks like typical what I grew up in and I didn't like that or, or whatever. So you have to tell the story in a different way. Well, what's interesting is that along with how we operate the church or how we think about membership in the church... That's also been challenged over the past 20 or 30 years because the membership model of church is much more like a country club model. So if you're a member of a country club, you know, you pay dues so that you can play the golf course or go to the pool or play tennis or, or go to the restaurant or, or, or whatever. You get those services when you pay your dues. That's sort of how the church was. If you joined the church, that meant that the pastor could baptize your children, that you could get married there, that you could go to worship there, that you could, you could receive these services from the pastor who was sort of the purveyor of the services. And the pastor was supposed to sort of dole those out equally, you know? Very interesting model. 
Not biblical at all. Not at all. Not one iota biblical of, in that. But that's how we operated for, for a long, long time, especially in America. And so, about 20 years ago, Michael Foss wrote a book called Power Surge, Six Marks of Discipleship for a Changing Church. And this is the book that I've had our elders read for the past 17 and a half years, ever since I've been here, because it talks about moving from a membership model to a discipleship model. And then the marks of discipleship come out of that. You are invited to read this as we go through this series. Go get it at the local bookstore. Go get it on Amazon if that's your preference. Whatever. Have them order it for you and read this book. It's, it's short. It's easy to read. And it'll open your mind to maybe why we've tried to do some things the way we've done them here at Westminster a little bit differently over the past 17 years or so. You're also invited to come to a class on Wednesday nights over the next four or five weeks. You're going to get dinner. We're going to talk about the book. You've got some great facilitators who are going to help you do that. So if that's something you're interested in, come at 5.30, between 5.30 and 6.30, and we'll start about 6.20 with the, with the book study. So the membership model was all about getting something. If you were a member, you were going to get something. The discipleship model is we're all in this together which is much more of a Presbyterian understanding of church anyway. We're all in this together. We are all disciples. We are all supposed to be leading and serving and being generous together. We're all supposed to be visiting the sick. We're all supposed to be caring for the aged. We're all supposed to be helping out the single moms and single dads. We're all supposed to be doing mission and ministry together. It isn't just the purview of the staff of the church to do the things of the ministry. And along with that then, it isn't just the pastor who's supposed to be praying or worshiping or reading the Bible or serving or being in relationship to encourage spiritual growth, or being generous. It's all of us. We're all called to strive in these marks of discipleship in order that we might grow in faith, in order that we might become closer with God and with each other, and then and we might become the message of Jesus. That's the goal, is to become more loving, more grace-filled, more generous, and I'll tell you what, I think that message today is more needed, if there's such a thing, than it has been for a long, long time. A lot of us have grown mean and angry. A lot of pockets in the world are bent on destruction and violence. And I believe it is incumbent upon us as followers of Jesus to live out the mandate to become more like Christ, to enable God to help change people's hearts and minds and ultimately to change the world. And we begin by becoming disciples ourselves and striving in these marks of discipleship. So the first one is, can you say it? Pray daily. Let's try that again. Pray daily. Very good. All right, so pray daily. So, so what, what is prayer? Let's, let's talk about that for a moment, and we're going to go to the book of confessions. So if you don't know anything about Presbyterianism, there are three books. The Bible, woohoo! the book of confessions, 
which has like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, but a whole bunch of the Westminster Confession, a whole bunch of other things you may not have read. It's awesome. And then what we call the Book of Order, which is our second part of our Constitution, which sort of tells us how to do things. So in here, in the Heidelberg Catechism, why do Christians need to pray? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. And also because God gives His grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking God for them. Wow, there's an only in there. That's really interesting, isn't it? So if you're not inwardly groaning about things that are happening in the world and praying to God about it, constantly, apparently, you don't receive God's grace. Now, I don't think that's actually true, but it's sort of strong language. What is prayer from the, from the larger catechism? Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God. In the name of Christ, by the help of His Spirit, with the confession of our sins, and thankful acknowledgement of God's mercies. So those are two sort of things about what, what is prayer. Calvin, John Calvin said that prayer is not so much for God's sake, but for ours. So just think about this. If the only time that you talked to the people who are closest to you, your, your spouse or your, your, your lover or your kids or, or your mom or your dad or, you know, the, the people that you work with, if you only talked to them, you know, for 30 seconds every time before you ate, And some of you are looking at each other like, that's all we ever talk. It wouldn't be much of a relationship, would it? Not really. Not really. Relationships, you need communication. Now, I know some of the guys here, guys in relationships with women, are thinking, you know what, but the more I talk to my wife, the more in trouble I get. (laughs) So just forget that for a moment, guys. I hear you what you guys say when you're not around your wives. I listen. More communication, more, more listening, more communication, especially with God, helps develop that relationship. It puts you in an open position with God. It, it, helps, it helps show, you know, show an open heart about what's, happening, about what's happening in your world. And I love this five-finger prayer. That's a great way of how to pray, right? How to pray. It's one of the the ways about how to pray. In the Scripture, the disciples had to be taught how to pray. It says Jesus was praying in a certain place. After he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to him, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. So even the disciples wanted to be taught how to pray. Rabbis taught prayers as a way of teaching their teachings. So this shows a lot about who Jesus is as a rabbi is right in this prayer. And look what's in here. I mean, there's, there's adoration in this. Hallowed be your name. There's, there's, there's praise for that. Your kingdom come, meaning please bring, bring your grace. Bring what you are about to this place now, please. It's a longing for, for God's kingdom to come into being. Give us each day our daily bread. 
in some ways, in some ways that's also a thankfulness prayer of saying, well, thank you for what we have, but also please give us what we need. Give us what we need. Forgive our sins. There's confession in here. And why, God, would you forgive our sins? Because we are also a forgiving people. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. People ask why, why Presbyterians say debts and debtors. It's because one of the translations of that word can be debts and debtors. But, and you think about it as, you know, if, if you wrong someone, you, you owe them a debt in a sense. You owe them a debt. And so forgive us our debts. Forgive us those things that we owe to other people as we forgive those who, who owe things to us. And don't bring us to the time of trial, meaning keep us safe, keep us away from temptation, keep us, keep us you know, in, in the midst of your presence, O oh God. So what is prayer we have? It's sort of how to pray. There, there are all kinds of ways to pray. I mean, you can pray standing up, sitting down, kneeling, hands up, hands down, hands folded, head bowed, you know, in the car. I mean, I know many of you pray in the car. Please don't let that guy hit me. Please let the cop get him. No, I mean, you can pray anywhere, anytime. And Paul says, what? Paul says to pray unceasingly. Now, I think that, that's, that's, that's a tough one, I think. To somewhere in, 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 in what you're doing every time, every place, to be, to be having some sort of conversation with God or to be open to what God is, is perhaps speaking to you. And I'm going to be real honest. I mean, most, most of the prayers that I pray are, are silent. I, just, I, I sit and meditate is what people would call it, but I, but I just sit and I try to listen. And I try to clear up all the all the stuff that's going on in my head and just be open to perhaps what, where, what, where God is speaking through, maybe speaking through nature, maybe speaking through scripture, maybe speaking through one of you as we've had an interaction, to just be open for where God is in the places around us. Where is it that God is already working and where do I, where does God want me to be? How does God want me to respond? How am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? And I'll tell you what, when you open yourself up to that, Sometimes you can be comforted, and maybe this is just what I need. Oftentimes, more often, I'm challenged. Joel, it's been a long time since I've been able to communicate with you because you've just been working all the time and not spending any time praying. Oh, yeah. Right? Just being open to what God has for us. So... Who are we to pray to? Here's the Protestant answer. Jesus and the Holy Trinity. That's it. No angels, no saints, no rocks, no rivers, no plants. Right? I mean, they were, in the Protestant Reformation, they were very much, they were very much pushing against this veneration of saints, veneration of angels, vener- uh, you know, having all these rituals and things around, around, that, around that sort of thing. In, in our confessions, there, are, there is lots of language about Jesus is the only intercessor. Jesus is the only mediator for us. 
And so we are to pray to Jesus, we are to pray to the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That, that's who we are supposed to be praying to as, as Protestants. That is what we are called to do. And so, as we're seeking to strengthen this relationship and, and, and strive in, the, in this mark of discipleship, why? I mean, I think for a lot of people, they, they want God to be like a slot machine. You know, they're, they're praying for three aces to come up. You know, please give me, please give me what I want. And they feel like they're just pulling the lever and seeing, seeing what happens. And yes, there is a part of, of praying that is about us, our desires, our needs, because, because when we open up, when we open up our desires and our needs and we, and we trust that God is in the midst of all of that, we begin to be changed by it. And so our needs, our desires, the things that we are hoping for, the, the things that we are striving for, I believe become more aligned with what God would want for us and what God wants for the community. And so we, if, you, if you're open to it, through prayer, God begins to form you and me into disciples. And the more time we spend in prayer and in study, and we'll talk about that later, the more we become the message of Jesus, the more our wills become aligned with what we believe God desires for all of humanity. It's a beautiful and difficult thing. And why pray? Well, what's interesting, here's, here's if, you, if you need a little external motivation, here's, here's something. Scientifically, they've studied this. People who are prayed for, who are recovering from illness, recover more quickly. Scientific study, double-blind test, blah, 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 all the good stuff. This isn't junk science. People who are prayed for, even if they don't know they're being prayed for, that was part of the double-blind study, even if they don't know they were being prayed for, recover more quickly. So you wonder why you're praying for some sick person because it doesn't really make a difference? Guess what? It doesn't. Wonder why you're praying for some, for, you know, for, for Joel's aunt's uncle's cousin's brother who's sick because it makes a difference if you want motivation that way why pray because it aligns you more and more with God it, it, it helps you develop that relationship a lot of us say oh I want to have a stronger faith I want to I want to know God better I want to do that prayer is one of those ways it's one of those avenues so I'm not saying you must pray in order to be a good person, but as disciples, as those who, who have been brought in by the love of God, who have been loved by God first, and our response then is to communicate with God, to be in God's presence more and more, to listen for what God has for us, we can be formed more into the disciples and formed more into the message of Jesus and that message, again, is a message of hope, of redemption, of restitution, of love, of grace. And who doesn't need that on a daily basis? And so, disciples, as we follow Jesus, let us strive to pray daily. Amen.